This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Diogo Jatta back and scoring, Liverpool getting a result without necessarily being brilliant. And what did we make of Thiago? Welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Matt Addison and we'll get into all of those topics very shortly with Ian Doyle and Sean Bradbury alongside me. We'll also have a chat about Ozan Kabak, Nat Phillips, the international break and a few more bits and bobs too over the course of the next half an hour or so. But there is of course only one place to begin and that is Dooley at Molyneux where you were last night. Liverpool winners by a goal to nil. What did you make of the game? Did Liverpool deserve that three points or was it a little bit closer than that do you think? Well, they, they, in terms of winning they couldn't get any closer than one nil could they? Let's be honest. Um uh, but the game itself was absolutely appalling for the most part. The first half in particular was absolutely dreadful. If had, you know, Neil Jones, who used to work with, he was sat nearest to me, and I just turned to him and went, "This is the worst game I've seen all season." And he replied, "Well, there's been an awful lot of competition." I was like, "I know, that's how bad this actually is." But uh, there was one bit of quality, wasn't there, in the first half? That passing movement between Mane and Salah, and uh, the finish from 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 Jota. So. In that sense, I suppose Liverpool were the ones who had that, as I say, that one moment of quality which made all the difference in the game. And when you're playing in a game that was such a massive slog as that is, and if if you look at it, Wolves' games all season have been like that. Nearly all of them have been like that. You know, certainly the ones that they play at, at Molyneux. And it was actually it was quite interesting walking into the ground. We were speaking to some of the the Wolves, you know, staff members, you know, the people who are working at the door, and they were like, "Oh, it's absolutely rubbish, this, isn't it?" Says, what do you mean? Says, you know, just the football's just rubbish, isn't it? Without the fans there, and it was quite interesting. I know we've talked about this a million times, but it's quite interesting hearing somebody else that's got nothing to do with us just talking about it. You know, they're not even journalists; they're just people who work for the club. Just saying, can't wait for fans to get back in. You know, I'm not really that fussed about the results. So, in that sense, that that was quite heartening. But the game itself just underlined what 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 they were talking about. It was just bad. It was a bad game. But having said all of that, that is exactly the kind of game that last season Liverpool would have won. And this season, for the most part, they've not been winning. Look how many times they've lost 1-0 recently. Look at Burnley, Brighton. We've said it before, haven't we? Chelsea, Fulham, even the Everton game, until they get the penalty at the end. You know, it's a 1-0 game. So Liverpool haven't been putting away these games where they've not played particularly well. And part of the reason for that is that it's Jota. I mean, you can't get away from the fact that earlier in the season, he was doing exactly the same thing. Look at the amount of times he scored the first goal or a late goal for a winner whether it's coming off the bench or even against Arsenal where he scored you know, the late goal that kind of sealed that particular game. That was way back in, what was it, September, where they won 3-1? But maybe in August, I can't even remember it that long ago. It must have been September, must have been September. So, yeah. So, overall, Liverpool, I thought defensively they were actually pretty good. I thought Trent Alexander-Arnold had his best game defensively for a very long time. Uh, you know, Nat Phillips did what Nat Phillips does. And, you know, and Kabak after a bit of a... A wobbly opening, shall we say? I mean, he, he, there was one bit of positioning very early on where he just was nowhere. He was just facing completely the wrong way. But it was a bit after that he did have the challenge, didn't he, with with Traore in the area where he dispossessed him, and I think he grew growing confidence from that. So it was an easy night for Liverpool. Obviously, there was the, the added complication for Wolves for Rui Patricio, his injury, um, which affected you know both teams, wasn't it? Because it was the game was stopped for ten minutes, and and you know, thankfully, from what we're led to believe, certainly straight after the game, he, he's going to be okay. But that affected both teams. That, that kind of summed up the game itself. But Liverpool got it done. Could have done without a little bit of the, you know, right at the end, Fabinho trying to chip the ball up and inside his own area and, and, and pass it to, to, to Cater. He then do chest it down. It's like, hang on, lads, come on. Just get rid of the ball. You know, there's, there's a time and a place for this. It's not here. But 
they got the job done. It's another clean sheet. I know we're going to talk about the centre backs in a bit. You know, what a surprise! What a difference it makes when you've actually got people playing in the actual positions, even if they may not be as good as a general football. As you know, no one's going to say Kabak and and um, and Phillips are better footballers than Fabinho Henderson, but the better centre backs. You know, and that's kind of thing. Possibly is one thing that. Maybe Jurgen Klopp and his coaching staff have learned, you know, over the course of this season. Yeah, Henderson and Fabinho can do a job there, but it's far better having people there who've played there before for a long time and know exactly what, what to do. These games do tend to, to be quite close, don't they, Sean, between Wolves and Liverpool. Liverpool do tend to come out on top, but quite often, particularly at Molyneux, it's only by the odd goal. Was this just one of those games that it didn't really matter how well Liverpool played? They just needed to win get the three points, not least, of course, because of the results maybe going their way this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Capitalising on slips from from the teams around them, you know, Chelsea, Everton, Spurs, was, was a big thing. I think just the fact that the international break is now upon them and almost in, in, a, in a squad sense, in a staff sense, and, and certainly in a fan sense, then they had to get another win on the board and a, a win in the league to follow up the Champions League performance, but to take them into this break now, which is... Is absolutely crucial, really, isn't it? Obviously, you know, we might well come on to talk about international breaks and, and where the players are off to. It, it's crucial that players don't get injured or don't enter new bubbles and, and dangerous territory and, and come back with COVID and that type of thing. But I just think having having a, a mindset going into it on the back of a couple of wins, which stringing two together hasn't happened for a while, is a, is a really big thing. Um, and, you know, obviously Klopp and his lieutenants at uh, Kirby, uh, I've got a bit of time now to kind of just plot plot the course, really, for the rest of the season. I think coming out of this international break, five games that follow that, I mean, it's quite an obvious point in a way, isn't it, that will we'll utterly define the season. You've got a big away game uh, against Arsenal in the league, which, thank God for away games at the moment, you know, is, is another one where Liverpool have actually managed to, to get a win and, and have looked so much better in them. I think that's going to be a, a huge test of, uh, you know, Liverpool's kind of priorities and ambitions, really, for the rest of the season. But then you've got the Champions League game, then you've got Villa, then you've got the other Champions League game, then you've got Leeds. So I think having having a positive result to draw on going into these three weeks, which is a really long break as well, isn't it? You know, it feels a lot longer than you normally get at this time of year. Um is is massive, really. Um, but yeah, the, the game in, in general, I think I think Tony's right. Certainly in that first 15 minutes, Liverpool were, were really shoddy and took a bit of time to find their composure and find their rhythm. But ultimately there's a there's a lot they can come away with and be very happy about. Probably not in midfield, but virtually everywhere else. I think to a man, the defence were good. I know we'll come on talk about the centre backs in detail, but I think I think the full backs as well were were both superb. Two of their best games for a while, you know, despite the fact that because like Robertson's been running to the ground and the international break is a bit of a worry because he'll go and have three big games with Scotland, but you know he did, he did very well. But yeah, a, a first half goal and another rarity and a, and a very very good one from open play. And I think just in general a, a tactical plan that. That worked, and I think Liverpool have got a little bit of a blueprint now. Certainly, with some of the teams and some of the situations that they'll be facing, teams uh, in the Premier League, you know, in terms of like teams having to chase points, or maybe a few who might not be as intense as they would have been earlier in the season because their seasons are kind of decided. Um, I think that that's going to be useful, and the Champions League as well. You know, obviously we, we saw them beat Leipzig, and now we've seen them win in the Premier League with quite a similar system. But I think the way that they set up yesterday would suit them in Europe and, and it might suit them in the league as well. So, yeah, I totally agree with Doyley. Not not a, not a classic, not a vintage one that I'll ever be watching again on DVD, I don't think. But um, but one that could be 
you know, fairly significant uh, in terms of setting the tone for the rest of the season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, definitely. I think we might as well talk about the, the international break. You've both sort of referenced it there. I think it's FA Cup weekend next week. That's why it's a, a slightly longer break. 19 days, I think it is, between Liverpool matches, Doily. But there will be some players who are going away on international duty and, and others that won't. Can you give us a, an idea of, of who might be going, who might have been prevented by going by Liverpool, perhaps? Well, we know that uh, the Brazilians, that's Firmino, Fabinho, Alisson, they won't be going because all of the South American qualifiers have been called off. Um, as for the rest, I think more or less anyone that's fit is going, with the exception of uh, Navi Keita. He will be recalled after uh, Guinea's first uh, African uh, Cup of Nations qualifier, I think, at home against against Mali because the second game's in Namibia and that's on U the UK's red list, which means that if he'd have played in that, which I think is a week on Saturday, he'd then have to come back and quarantine for, for 10 days, which would mean he would then not be playing, um, certainly not against Arsenal, certainly not the first game against it, wherever they play in the Champions League first leg in the quarterfinals, and then possibly the Villa game after that. So it is a it is a question of Liverpool just exercising that particular right, which I would imagine most of the Premier League team, in fact, most of the teams across Europe are going to do. There may have been a slight concern over, over Jota because he's obviously going to go and play for Portugal, uh, against Azerbaijan in their first World Cup qualifier, but two things have happened since, you know, initially that 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 story broke in terms of it may be under threat. First thing is that the game's been moved to Italy anyway, uh, and the second thing is on Friday I think Portugal go off the red list, so it could have been played in Portugal anyway. So, so I think Liverpool, other than those three and a half, shall we say, I think the rest of them will be going off that that are fit. Uh, I mean, good. Brian Henderson will be going, will he? Because he's he's going to be out for England, and Liverpool will hope he's back at some point next month. I think. Um, so yeah, the rest. I mean, it's yeah, again, it's another another case of Klopp crossing his fingers and everything else, and hoping that the players come back come back fit. But he'll have a lot of players because you know Nat Phillips won't be going, uh, Milner won't. So the the, the three uh, the three Brazilians. There'll be a, quite a few more who won't be going. So we'll have a lot of time certainly this week to to prepare his players for for what's to come and as Sean said I think it's going to be an interesting time because they didn't have a they didn't have a, a pre-season as such did they and I can't remember when it was earlier this season he said we're going to have a mini one though I think there was a break of a I, can't, I must admit I can't remember what what week it was where they didn't play uh or they, or they just didn't basically they just didn't have a game in the week did they I think they played Saturday Monday or something like that I can't remember off the top of my head but this is a genuine one for them and yeah, it is. It's, they're going to be just as I say. It's it's down to fortune, and we know what Liverpool are like with these international breaks. Most most of the time, someone will get injured, but they do have a lot of lot of players now. Apart from centre back, they have a lot of players available, which is unusual for this season. And what a surprise! They've suddenly started getting some good results. So who knew that players not being injured would would help them in their quest to win some games? Injuries aside, Sean, has this break come at a, a good or bad time, do you think, for Liverpool? They've come off the back of certainly one good performance and certainly two good results. Is this a time that you probably just want to, to play again or, or do you think they will benefit for the remainder of this season by having certainly the first week of, of these three weeks off to be on the training pitches in Kirby? I think, obviously, you know, the fact that two wins have come in quick succession and there's a bit of positivity there and... You know, we saw an unchanged team for the first time in a long time. I think my natural inclination last night would have been to say you just want another game as soon as possible um, and, and to try and keep that momentum going. But really, I think when, when you think about the rest of the Liverpool season, obviously in terms of finishing in the top four, it's not in their own hands. They need teams to slip up. 
Um, in terms of the Champions League, you know, they're, they're in the last eight and we await the draw on Friday with, you know, huge anticipation to see who they get there. And they're a, they're a live proposition. And that obviously, aren't they? you know, to go this deep in the competition, despite not being great this season, um, you know, it's to their credit. And I think they can beat anyone, you know, especially if teams come and have a go at them. But I think really now it's about, because there is absolutely no margin for error, I think it, it's it's crucial really that Klopp and, and his staff, and like Dodie said, you know, the players who are still around, get a bit of time to really plot and plan team selections, kind of maybe rotation as much as, as they possibly can. Because, you know, the fact that there are players there and, and there are options now, I think finally all the issues that Liverpool have wrestled with for months and really one of the main reasons why the season hit the skids is like, you know, we, we were often calling for Klopp to try something a little bit different and break out of the muscle memory of 4-3-3. And, you know, obviously we were, there were square pegs and round holes. There was players who didn't really know that system very well. You know, new partnerships springing up all over the place. And temptation was to go, well, why don't you try 4-2-3-1? Why don't you mix it up? And realistically, I think a lot of the time you just didn't have the options. That, you know, the, the plan B players weren't there. They were out. Um, they, they were injured. And, and or they were just coming back from injury. But with, with what he's got now, I think that there's there's a real bit of opportunity to to rotate, mix things up, and you know obviously they have to try and compete on two fronts now, don't they? Like I think finishing top four in whatever is the most realistic way possible is obviously the main aim for the season. Um, so things like that Arsenal game, you know, I think I imagine he'll already be thinking about Robertson's played every Premier League game. You know, is there a way of getting Simakas or Milner in there at left back? Wayne Aldum's another one I think is played, if not quite every game, it's not quite started every game. He's, he's featured in most, hasn't he? I think he's only behind Robertson for minutes played in the Premier League. So there's another one where you'd be planning midfield selections and thinking about, you know, Jones, Cato and others who can come in for Wijnaldum and give him a breather at some point. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, instinctively you want the momentum to carry on and maybe in the players' heads there will be a little bit of that. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll be happy, some of them, I imagine, to go off and have a bit of a break and get away from the Liverpool grind, you know, almost in, in the way it's become this season and see their international teammates and compete in that sphere. But yeah, I think overall it's better that Liverpool have a bit of time and, and really kind of get their heads together about how to finish this season as strongly as possible domestically and in Europe. In terms of the top four race, Doherty, do you think it's still on the table for Liverpool to, to make that top four? I think it's five points to Chelsea in fourth, nine games for both teams to play. Is it still realistic? I mean, a week or so ago, we'd kind of written it off, but results then go your way this weekend and maybe it just sort of creeps back into the possibility again. Well, it, it, it's a possibility. I mean, I wrote something that it's basically become from impossible to improbable, which for Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp is like, well, we've got a chance here then. Um, they are relying on other teams. I mean, if we're being absolutely brutally honest here, we don't think West Ham are going to finish in the top top four I was amazed that Tottenham have just fallen off again because I actually thought they were coming into form and I actually had backed them to get into the top four and Leicester to drop out. But Leicester seems to have found a second wind. So it looks like it's it's basically everybody into that fourth place, isn't it? Because United look as though they're going to finish going to finish in the top three. So they've got a chance, but I think they can't afford to lose a game now. In the, there's nine games left. They got a, As you say, you've got some tough ones. Look, United away, Leeds away. Um, Arsenal away, but they're doing better away from home. It's those four home games, and in fact, you could say the three home games because by the time they play Crystal Palace, there'll be 10,000 hopefully in the stadium, and you'd like to think the players would respond to that. Uh, so there's going to be more twists and turns. Well, I'll say this right if Liverpool 
win seven and draw two of the last nine games, they'll definitely get into the top four, no matter what anyone else does. So that gives them a little bit of leeway because I can't. I think Chelsea have got City, Leicester. They've got a few other difficult games and they're all in kind of in a row towards the end. So, you know, and also Chelsea haven't... Okay, Chelsea haven't have had some good results under, under Tuchel, but they haven't played particularly, I don't think, particularly well. I think they've only scored something like 13 goals in 12 games or, or something like that. So they've clearly gone the way Liverpool are going, going now by, let's get the defence sorted first. Let's just be really solid. Let's just get these 1-0, 2-0. Let's just get the wins that we need. So... I think it might be between those two. I mean, we've looked at Everton, but I think they've got a bad injury there with Decorey missing. And we saw that against Burnley. I think they might struggle to to hold on. I think they'll put everything into that FA Cup game they got against Man City at the uh, at the weekend, which let's be honest, it's about the toughest game they could have actually could have actually asked for. So yeah, I think yeah, if you're asking me whether they can whether they will finish in the top four, I'll still say no. But if you ask me whether they can, I'd say yeah. And I said about a month ago on here, I said if Liverpool finish in the top four, it'll be as much as an achievement as reaching the Champions League final in 2018. And I still go along with that. Yeah, it would certainly require, Sean, a run of good results. Maybe, you know, seven, eight wins might be necessary. If you've got any confidence that obviously with one or two of these players back, they can do that. And does it essentially rely on Liverpool keeping at least the players that they've got now fit, if not adding one or two more to come back off the injury table. Yeah, I, I think I think the injury thing will absolutely define it and decide it. And yeah, it, it's all about the state that the squad is in after this international break, really. But but then you know you can make that case for a lot of the other teams in in the running for the top four. I would I would agree with Doyle though. I I think the top four as it is now will will remain the top four by the end of the season. But then. Just as, as Ian was speaking there, like, yeah, Chelsea's last four, City away, then Arsenal and Leicester at home, and then Villa away. So, you know, and, and even before that, all right, they've got Fulham at home, but they, they've got West, they're going to go to West Ham. It's not a great running. And, and if you throw Champions League games into the mix, you know, potentially more than two in Chelsea's case, because they have got their act together to a certain extent and made themselves hard to beat. So, you know, again, they, 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 could, they could give anyone a game as, as they've shown in the Champions League so far. It's going to be really interesting. I think it's probably going to be a top four race that that does go to the last couple of weeks of the season just because even if Chelsea are in pole position, I think there's games there where they've got to get over the line in them and they'll probably have to get points, you know, and and avoid defeat in those games. But yeah, absolutely. You know, it's whether it's that whole thing of all season pundits and ourselves have said Liverpool are a team that are capable of going on a run. And you still do believe that. I think the, the return of Fabinho and what it looks like he can do not just in terms of allowing the team to have a settled pattern and rhythm and having people back in their right places, like Dory said before, but also unlocking other players. I mean, Thiago, we might come on to him. Uh, I think he, he was much better in the Champions League than he was at Molyneux, uh, to put it mildly. But, you know, I think he'll benefit from Thiago being there, sorry, from, from Fabinho being there. And in midfield as well, there's options now, isn't there? I mean, it was interesting last night that who came off the bench? It was Cater and Milner, wasn't it? You know, Jones towards the end was warming up and was possibly going to come on, but there's a, there's a lot of players there if they all stay fit who'll be desperate for games and who'll merit games and deserve games. So I think Liverpool, like like we said, have, have got options and I've certainly got the potential now to go on a run. I, th- I think the thing that will define it will be Anfield form and whether the teams who are coming to Anfield are a bit more adventurous because you know. Where they are at their stage of the season means that they have to pick up points. Or, like I said earlier, that they're not that bothered. And, you know, it's a bit of a, 
bit of a beach game where you know there's not that intensity in defence. They're not in in the kind of most stringent and stubborn low block you've ever seen, um, or certainly that we've seen since December and January after that you know run of run of really tough games that Liverpool face. So I think absolutely they can do it. But having said all that, just because that they've got to rely on other teams and their form and and lots of points to be dropped across the board. I think at this stage, the Champions League is their best chance of finishing in the top four. Um, and, you know, might change my mind on Friday when we see the draw and if it's Man City. <laughs> but, but yeah, until then, that's what I'm going to say. Well, the, the one midfield he didn't mention then was Oxlade-Chamberlain and he came on and he did he did pretty well, actually. Klopp made a point, didn't he, saying he was a breath of fresh air when he came on. So, I mean, he was kind of, he was a little bit in and out. There was one poor pass he puts Trent out on the on the right, but he was he was full of a lot more energy than we've seen from him probably all season. So, whether he can play a part in the, in the next few weeks, we don't know. I mean, I think me and, uh, you know, me and, me and Gorsley were, Paul Gorsley, we were both at the game and we were talking when we were there about the midfield options that Liverpool have got. And suddenly you go, well, there was, what was it? When Alden Fabinho and uh, Thiago played, Milner and Oxlade Chamberlain came on. Jones was about, could have come on. Henderson is another one. Shakiri's played there. So that's that's eight players. And they always seem to play the three in midfield or variations on three, two or three. So there are a lot, a lot of players there. And up front, you know, Jota's now looks as though he's, he's back and at his best. You know, Firmino, he'll probably be back very, very soon, you'd like to think. So there are options elsewhere apart from the two centre-backs. So you're talking about injuries. It's like if, if one of those two gets injured in the next week, it's like that's it, the end. There's absolutely nothing, nothing down for Liverpool this season, I'm afraid. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, let's let's have the the chat now about Ozan Kabak and, and Nat Phillips. I thought they both did everything that they needed to defensively. We know their limitations, as you said earlier, Doyle. They're maybe not the best at, at playing out and things like that. But you can only play what's in front of you. And I thought they both did really well. Was that the best game for you, Doyle, individually for those two centre backs, but as a pairing as well that we've seen from them? I think, well, to be honest with Nat Phillips, he hasn't done anything wrong since he's come in and played, has he? I can't remember him making actually, you know, he's been done for pace a few times, but, you know, that's what happens with defenders. There are always going to be some players who are faster, you know, but he's, he managed to not get away with it, but the rest of the team covered for him, which is what, that's why it's a team. It's not an individual sport, it's a team game. Um, so I don't think he's actually done anything wrong. In terms of his best performance, I think, you know, West Ham at home, Sheffield United away, he was very good in both of those two games. So, don't necessarily think it was his best. I think Kabak is probably his best. And that was after, a, you know, a, a bit of an un, uncertain start, shall we say. But, you know, he seemed, to, he seemed to grow into it. I think you're possibly underselling him in terms of his ability to play the ball out from the back. I think Kabak's a bit better at that than, than Phillips. He went on one run, didn't he, where it was Bowley, stopped it with his leg and the referee gave a, gave a handball decision. That kind of summed Craig Pawson up for the entire evening. He was pretty awful. Um, you know, he didn't even know when the game had ended. He had to have Mike Deems on the on the side on the side, like, go oh, come on, it's finished now. He's like waving at him, saying that's the end. I mean, to be fair, there was quite a lot of injury time, so I don't blame him too much for that one. But that was that was quite funny, actually. But but yeah, the the, the centre backs, it helped, as I said before, with Trent playing so well. I don't necessarily agree with Sean on Andy Roberts, and I thought he looked tired. Certainly the first half, he clearly doesn't like playing against Traore. Clearly doesn't like it. And at, at point in the second half, I mean. Uh, I think Traore was surrounded not just by Robertson but I think Milner was on by that but Milner and Fabinho were getting around him because they just thought well we just can't let him get past him and he, and he did still get to the byline a few times like in the last minutes as we said before he managed to get past several players and get the crossing and overhit it you know that that's more down to Traore not being you know that's why he's not managed to 
to kick on this season with his end product and possibly why Liverpool decided not to pursue any kind of deal for him last year and may not in the future now, but even though I still think there's probably a player in there. But going back to the defenders, uh, Fabinho again, Fabinho is helping, he's helping Phillips and, and Kabak and you kind of feel a little bit sorry for some of the other partnerships, you know, the untried partnerships, you think of, you know, Reese Williams when he's played where Fabinho wasn't there in defensive midfield, he was actually alongside him playing centre-back and that's tough. You know, so they haven't had the same protection for much of the season. But now that they're getting it, they're getting the clean sheets and they're getting confidence and they're, and they're gaining in, in confidence and they're gaining in kind of the self-belief that they should be where they are, which is playing for Liverpool, playing at centre-back, playing in these big, you know, they played in the Champions League game last week. I think Nat Phillips didn't. He said, you know, I hope that's not going to be the pinnacle of, of my Liverpool career. And you kind of hope that it isn't. I mean, I still think... Further down the line, I think there's a certain sense of these two, whether they realise it or not, are probably playing for the possibility of being a fourth-choice centre-back for Liverpool next season, depending on what happens with the three arranged at the moment. I mean, there's every chance that could be it. But certainly with Kabak, not only was he the youngest the youngest player on the pitch, uh, Liverpool player on the pitch, which I think we overlook a little bit, he's also the least experienced in terms of minutes for Liverpool. So it's no surprise that certainly earlier on when he was playing is that he's not quite up to it. I mean, compare him to, you know, Ben Davis, who's played many, many, many times in, in English football. He's, he's got experience there, but we haven't, he's, you know, he hasn't even kicked a ball for Liverpool yet. So we see from that that it's not the easiest we've seen with players in the past, Andy Robertson, you know, players like Fabinho himself, that it takes time to get used to Klopp's methods. And I think Klopp said that, didn't he, last week about, about Kabak. So I wouldn't be too harsh on him, but I would be encouraged by the way that he played. Sent in the second half where Wolves decided to put it into the mixer and decided to, you know, we're going to see what Liverpool can do here and, and the pair of them stood up to it. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, Ben uh, Ben Davis is obviously one that we've spoken about over the last few weeks. Wasn't in the squad at all. Who? I've got a, who? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> who indeed. I've got a, a little bit of a theory that I want to run past you on Ben Davis. Yeah. And you may well laugh me out of town on this one. I know I've been very positive about him in the past. But I wonder, is the fact that Klopp hasn't thrown him in at the deep end, is that actually a sign that he sees him as a long-term option? Is he maybe protecting him, working him in in training rather than throwing him in now? As we've seen, you know, with his comments from Robertson and, and Fabinho, is it actually the case that Jurgen Klopp is just trying to get him used to, to playing with his teammates and those sort of things away from the limelight so that possibly next season he could be an option for Liverpool? Do you think that's viable or am I just being massively optimistic there? I mean, I, no, I don't think you're necessarily reaching. I mean, think back to Friday's press conference, Klopp, Spoken in a fair bit of detail, didn't he, about Davis and why it is just that sense of, of rhythm and familiarity is is the main reason why we haven't seen much of him or any anything of him so far. Um, you know, and, and he was he was kind of saying he he will play when he's ready to play. He referenced, as you guys have, the fact that to be part of this Liverpool team, I think especially in in midfield or defensive sense, there is so much to get used to. It's not necessarily a structure where you can just be thrown in. I mean, Virgil van Dijk maybe is is one obvious exception to it in a defensive sense. But yeah, he, he, he literally said, and Klopp said, Andy Robertson is the famous example or something along those lines. And okay, he's a fullback rather than a centre-back. But I think it applies. And, I, you know, think back to January and obviously we said it, fans said it, pundits said it, you know, it wasn't ideal that the, these two fellas came in right at the end of the window. I think the more time they'd have had to bed in, the more kind of organised Liverpool have been about that, notwithstanding the whole Matip situation and how picture did change you know from kind of November onwards even though I think after after the Gomez injury they should have been lining something up for January the 1st but we've been over all that but 
I, I think at that stage, you probably got to look at it and say, even though Quebec is younger, like Dory said, you know, I think we're really seeing a player who's still developing and is growing in confidence every game, especially with his partnership with Phillips. But whilst he's younger, he's he's played at a bit of a higher level, I'd say, than, than Davis. And it, there was that impression and, and just the whole the whole idea of, you know, he's on loan now, but if he does come in in the summer, it's it's a much, much bigger price tag than what Liverpool paid for Davis. I think he did almost come in with the air of, of, of being the senior man and perhaps the man who was a little bit more ready to be thrown into action straight away. Um, and so it's proved, you know, I think he's... He's made mistakes in every game, almost you know uh, as much as as Phillips has as well. But the partnership is is developing into one that, it, with the tweaks Liverpool have made, is absolutely fine at, at the moment. I think, like Dodie said earlier, if if there is another injury, then we really will see if Ben Davis is ready or or how creative they can get with the the limited options in the squad if midfielders have to come back into defence again. Um, but yeah, I think that the partnership that's existing now with with that slightly deeper line with Fabinho back in place. With Liverpool being happy to give the other team more of the ball as well, and and kind of let let Phillips and Quebec defend their area a little bit more than than defending a bit higher up the pitch. I think that's been something we've seen over the last couple of games. We're looking at the possession stats. I think Liverpool were outpossessed, if you like, by Wolves last night. It was something like 48 percent for Liverpool. I think against Leipzig, it was down to about forty. But it it does then offer something different in a defensive and an attacking sense, doesn't it? It's it's a bit more clear what the lads at the back have to do. It's, you know, the ball comes into the area, you're headed away, you get it out in a, in a kind of a little bit more of a basic sense. And, and to some degree, if the, if the opposition are going to have a go, it helps the guys up front, doesn't it? We've seen two very slick um, kind of counter-attacking goals, really, haven't we, in the, in the last couple of games, that two of the best open play goals in the Liverpool have scored for a while, if not all season. And I think the approach is part of that. But yeah, the, as, as for the Davis theory, you know, we, we, we'll see. But more to the point, we've got a long read that uh, Gorsten <laughs> 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 and Theo have done this, you know, 2000 word epic on Ben Davis. And we're, we were going to save it until he played, but I don't know, we might just have to publish it as soon as possible. So uh, I'll wet the appetite break for you. International yeah, break. Yeah. That's where it's going. Sure. <laughs> it will get its chance. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose the the other thing that I'd add to my theory as well is that obviously Kabak has, has come in because he's maybe the more experienced, has probably got the, the highest ceiling. But of course, Liverpool do have to try him out with that decision to be made, the £18 million clause that they've got ahead of the summer. So certainly you've got to throw him in to see what he's all about. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. At the other end of the experience spectrum, though, Dory, is Thiago Alcantara. We did mention him briefly earlier, just before we finish. I think we should probably have a, a little bit of a chat about him. It wasn't his best game. Is he almost trying too hard at the moment for Liverpool? Um, I think he's trying to tackle. Um, I think he possibly needs to stop that. Um, well, actually, no. If you look at the game against Leipzig, he was very good. Kind of played to his strengths. He knows how to play in the Champions League. And that's something that, why, a bit further down the line, I think when they start move, changing the team around, I think you'll see Thiago in all the Champions League games and possibly on the bench for some of the Premier League ones next month. Um, yeah, he, he was off the pace. Through. He wasn't the only one. Let's, let's be quite honest. As Sean said earlier earlier on, the midfield with Wijnaldum, Wijnaldum may as well have... I know he did the good pass for, for Mane, but for the most part, he just wasn't really in it, was he? And, and that could come down to... All the factors we've just spoken about were Liverpool sat a bit deeper and just belted the ball anywhere. So 
you know, they, they weren't particularly too fussed in playing the ball through midfield half the time. That only kind of changed when Cater and then Oxlade Chamberlain came on when the game had opened up when they were winning. So that, that it, the game, the way the game went, favoured those two. But for Thiago, it was just tough going, wasn't it? He, he does tend to go to ground a little bit too easily. I know there was a, a, a tackle, I think it was Matinho, where he actually won the ball, but then caught him to the referee played on. Then he, he fouled. I think it was Neves where he should have possibly been booked and then he did foul. I, I can't remember it was. It may have been Bowley, I think, and then he did get booked. So, And then he was kind of like on edge. And I was surprised he came out for the second half, to be honest. And then when he got subbed, he seemed very surprised by that, didn't he? He's like, when he, you know, he, he just seems totally bewildered when he, whenever he gets, gets replaced. And it always seems to be when he's on the far end. So he never, ever gets to come off. He's always like over there somewhere. And you see a spot him walking around the pitch for about five minutes, just going, oh, I've been subbed again here. What's going on? So, uh, no, he, he didn't have his best game. I wouldn't be massively concerned. In fact, I, I deliberately didn't. I made a point of not doing writing a massive amount on him because it's like it's one game. You know, he's just had a just had a, a good game before that. And, and I think he actually, there were reasons for it that weren't all down to him. So, no, I think it was just one of those days where, the, certainly the start of the game, the pace was very, very fast. Didn't play into his hands. He never really got to grips with it after that. And once he got booked, he was, you know, he was, he was treading on eggshells. Yeah, there's a few moments in the game where he looked a little bit shocked. He seemed to be surprised that he'd picked up a yellow card. I'm not quite sure why that <laughs> yeah. was. But, uh, <laughs> the other one, he, was, he should have been booked for that. He could have had at least four yellows in that game, I think. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, fortunately, Craig Paulson didn't have the, the best of nights, as we mentioned before. But, uh, Sean, just in, in terms of Thiago, we mentioned before that there's lots of different midfield options for Liverpool. Is there a bit of pressure on him now for the rest of this season, given that... Curtis Jones, when he's been in, has been really good. Naby Keita is fit for the time being and has looked good as well. Even Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain looked quite sharp last night. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess there is. But I think, you know, you're going to have, as we've already said, a run of five games in a short space of time after the international break. Um, we hope as well that Liverpool will have more midweek games to come, you know, if they, if they get past whoever they get drawn in in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So I think rotation is, is going to be a certainty because... Like Dudley said before, they can't afford to lose virtually any game now. I don't think if the ambitions domestically or in, in the in the European stage are you know wanting to be met. So with Thiago, I, I decided a few weeks ago really that I think it's just it, we've got to the point now where you can't really judge him on on this season because rarely at all has he ever been in a game where things around him or things personally for him are settled. I mean, you know, I think that applies in several ways really like in terms of, of game state uh, there's not many times where he's been able to just get his foot on the ball with Liverpool one or two goals in front and just pair and ping it around and you know do what he was doing most weeks for Bayern Munich and I'm not saying like that means that he's a limited player and he's a luxury player and he only works as a as a part of the team when you when you're winning but like you know Liverpool make it hard for themselves in virtually every game this season you know even this week they've got two wins together but you know, in, in one of the games, it took a bit of a while for the goals to come. And and then, you know, in the other one, it was only a 1-0. Um, and as much as Fabinho clearly helped Thiago in the Champions League tie, as, how many times would he have played with him? It, it's still, you know, you can probably count it on one hand, can't you? So, um, there was certainly some, wasn't it, towards, towards the start of the season, I should imagine. But, yeah, that, he's got to get used to that as well. That That's the thing. He's he's chopped and changed from being a six and being an eight and being an eight on, on each side. And virtually every week, there's different players behind him, alongside him, and indeed in front of him. You know, like Jota as well. <laughs> like they're 
they've been like two ships in the night a little bit this season and, you know, getting used to his runs and where he'll be and how the team will just set up slightly differently if he's in the centre or if he's on one of the flanks. There's, there's just so much going on, really. I mean, I think that the fouls, you know, we obviously we're, we're kind of in a position to laugh about it, but I'd said before, I just wish sometimes he just wouldn't throw his foot in. He just, he just let a player go and let someone else deal with it because especially early on, it always seems to be early on, doesn't it? As if a game does start in quite a frenetic manner, he, he, he does try and impose himself and, I think the way that Wolves started and the way the wing-backs kind of really pushed on, I think the wing-backs did get the better of, of Liverpool's full-backs quite early on and, and Wolves' front three were, were pretty high and were pretty imposing. And, you know, they, they tried for a fast start and, and they were successful in that, apart from, you know, getting a goal. But, yeah, it, it, it all added up to Thiago having a bit more ground to cover, being under a bit more pressure. And I just think, you know, it, even... You're absolutely right. He, you could have made the case for him certainly getting booked earlier than he did and maybe even getting two yellows with a with a ref who was feeling a bit harsh on the day. But then, you know, th- there was that incident where Mane was through and, and I think the, the passage of play that led to that was, was a good Thiago ball and then a good Wijnaldum ball. So, you know, perhaps he could have got a little pre-assist, hockey assist, whatever you want to call it there. And Never call uh, it a hockey <laughs> assist. Never call it a we'll, hockey We'll scratch that for the record. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, think, I just think it's, you know, it, it, on the ball, virtually... Every time he, he's got it and he's got a bit of time and he's got a bit of space, he looks like Thiago. But then when he's, you know, required to cover ground and, and fill in and just, you can see that he's still having to adapt to, to what it means to be part of a Jürgen Klopp midfield three, which we've said it before, I think it's one of the hardest jobs in world football, really. You know, it's it's three players. You've essentially got to do the job of four um, horizontally and vertically across the pitch. And it's, and it's not really what he's used to. And again, I don't think that he'd be, he'd be ill-suited to it. And I think... In an ideal world, with a with a first choice Liverpool team who were operating and who were firing, games virtually every game would have been so different, wouldn't it? And like you'd have seen a different side of Thiago where he wasn't asked to do a lot of what he's had to do so far this season. So yeah, um, I've got every confidence next year um, it'll be a bit different for him. But I agree with what you said before. You know, not that he's under pressure, but it's not all on him for, from now until the end of the season. But certainly, think of the Champions League. I'd I'd love to see him kind of stepping off and having a few really big performances there. Yeah, definitely. Certainly no long-term worries with him. I think pre-season could be a big thing for him to get used to playing with the proper players around him as well. Of course, no team selector or or match predictions this week, but I did mention before we're going to predict something slightly different instead. I'm going to ask you to both predict what's going to happen for the rest of this season once the international break comes back. Liverpool with nine league games to go, five points off the top four. So, Three different things. Where will Liverpool finish? How far will they go in the Champions League? I know that's largely dependent on the draw on Friday. And finally, which player will be the most important for Liverpool between now and the end of this season? So, Dordie, if you want to, to go first on that one and give us your, your three different answers. Um, no. <laughs> right, well, I, I either want them to finish fourth or ninth, basically. <laughs> so that's not what I, that, it's not what I want. It's, what, it's what's going to happen. So I'm going to go with fifth, quarterfinals, and still Salah, still Salah. Those were my exact three answers, I think. (laughs) Obviously, if Liverpool get Porto, my answer might change to the semi-finals. But uh, I think apart from that, it might be a little bit of a stretch. Sean, what are you going to go for? Very, very tough. Um, I I think the player, I'll I'll say Jota, just because, you know, he started his his second mini-spell almost as good as he, as he as he started his his initial introduction to life at Liverpool. So I think, you know, 
I'll, I'll get away with, I agree with what you're saying about Salah. He's, he's been the standout man all season and, and has just continued to overperform and hasn't let anything worry him really and has just stood up and been counted virtually every week. But I think Jota now allows for a bit more fluidity, a bit of rotation and just, just a surprise package in terms of what to expect from Liverpool. And I think, like Doyle said earlier, he scored a few winners, he scored equalisers, he scored goals that put Liverpool ahead or, or seal victories. Um, and if he does that four or five more times, which again, that might be quite a big ask, but that, that could be the difference between fourth and pro- progression in the Champions League. So yeah, I'd say him. Uh, I, I, the more I look at Liverpool's fixtures and how I'd anticipate the teams will approach them, I think Liverpool have got a massive chance of, of progressing up the table. Just if whether we still trust them to win home games and put that run together. I, I think, yeah, I'm going to say fifth. Champions League, I, I think if they avoid City or Chelsea... I think they'll go through to the semis. I'm going to say they'll get to the final, um, but wow. I just think I just think <laughs> I just think they really, really need more than ever for them for this round now not to be one of the English teams and, and for it not to feel like uh, a, a, you know two Premier League games. I think that would really hamper them. I think they mm. lose to City. I think Chelsea would be very close. Probably be two tight games as we've seen in the past against Chelsea. Um, so yeah, if we get a a nice, willing, expansive team who. They underestimate Liverpool. I think they'll go through and then, yeah, we'll, we'll see how far they go. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see who Liverpool do get. Three big games in the Premier League coming up as well with Arsenal, Aston Villa as Le- and Leeds as well. Not a, an easy run of fixtures, but certainly something to look forward to after the international break. We'll, of course, have you covered across the Liverpool Echo and Blood Red 2 for the Champions League quarterfinal draw on Friday. I think that one kicks off at 11am in the morning. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, from Ian Doyle and from Sean Bradbury too. Until next time here on the Blood Red channel, thank you for joining us and goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.